This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Now, here's Dr. Gloria. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, Heidi, uh, good morning from California and uh, afternoon in New York, right? Yep, it's one o'clock. Hi, Mom. Hi. Well, we've got a great guest today, Heidi, and I I know whenever we have somebody who's been involved with sibling loss, um, that's dear to your heart, right? Absolutely, and she's been involved in a very deep level because she had a sibling that died. So, uh, yes, that's, it's important to me that the sibling voice is heard because so often it's not and that we educate the world on what we as three siblings are going through. So I am happy to have her on. Well, Erica Barber, our barber, has some great ideas. She lived the first 15 years of her life as a sibling and has since lived as a sibling survivor. And her sister Erica uh, died. I will ask her, uh, I guess Erica's 15 when her sister Andrea died at 20. And uh, she's been working in the area of grief and loss and with families. And we're excited to have you on the show, Erica. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Now, we've got this great book, Letters from a Friend, a Sibling Loss Guide to for Coping and Grief. Tell us what you're doing and how you happen to write this book. Well, the book actually um, kind of was stimulated out of my own experiences with sibling loss. Um, as you mentioned, I had a sister, an older sister, who had died when I was 15, and she was 20, so she was my older sister for a great part of my life. Um, and I had to kind of reinvent myself after she was no longer there as my role model um, and kind of figure out what that meant for me in, in my role in my family. Um, and I looked to my sister for not only being a role model, but just kind of uh, a support for myself when I was going through hard times in my life. She was my, my role model, my surrogate parent. And so her loss was devastating to me, and I had to kind of figure it all out on my own after she was no longer there. So um, the book kind of stimulated a lot from my own experiences with grief, and I had several counseling experiences that offered me some insight into not only my own grief feelings, but how to release those. And uh, it is also coupled with my experiences working with hospitalized children at Loyola University Medical Center. For several years, I was a child life specialist there and worked exclusively with the cancer population, the pediatric oncology population, and their brothers and sisters. And I was involved in a, in a grief group there as well. So it's sort of a, a culmination of a lot of things. Yeah, it, it's uh, I, it's hard to explain it because it's not your traditional book. It's a very large book, more, uh, you know, I would say coloring, a large coloring book size, and it has wonderful activities in it for uh, people to do and for kids to do. And what I love about it, Heidi, is that Erica shares her own personal story, just snippets throughout the whole thing because it's like, well, maybe you can give an example. Let me talk about some of the areas that I, I really liked. I got I got a chuckle when I got to grade your teachers on how you handled your brother or sister's death. I never thought about it, grading your teachers, because it is an irritant. 
the way uh, mm-hmm. some teachers uh, treat you. Sure, sure. And and that's just part of reassimilating back into a life without your brother and sister. I think especially returning back to school after a loss, um, particularly if that school knew your sibling as well. And, and you know, a lot of people and especially teachers and classmates not, might not know how to communicate with you or, or you know, relay their their feelings to you or even how to how to be your friend anymore. It's different for them, too, and they're uncomfortable. So You're speaking a little abstractly. I just want people to know that you actually say in the book, I felt like it was hard going back to school after my sister died. I love that, where you interject your voice in there for people. Yeah, I try, that's the, kind of the intention of, of my story. You mentioned the snippets of it. it. There's just little pieces of sort of my feelings and my experiences so that the author, who I really consider to be the siblings who are involved in completing some of these activities, can determine, you know, what's, what's, a lot of times we don't know what's okay to say or feel. And I want them to know that everything that they're feeling and, and thinking is okay and is important. Um, as well as I really like the, the grading your teacher, Erica, because mm-hmm. when I, I was 20 when my brother died and I was in college and I went back to college, I went to, a, I will never forget, I walked into a public speaking class and my brother had been dead for two weeks, mind you. And the mm-hmm. professor said to me, Heidi, you have to give your public speech today. And I wow. said, well, my brother died two weeks ago, and I'm not prepared. And he said, well, it's been two weeks. You should be over it by now. Mm-hmm. And I stood up and said, my, my speech today is about how I am dropping this class because I should be over my brother's death after two weeks. And I walked out. Right. And right. I would definitely have given that teacher enough. <laughs> I love the whole grading idea so. because... It's very empowering, and my mom and I were talking about that before the show. The, the activities you have in this work, workbook are very empowering, and we need to be right. empowered after a loss because we feel very much like victims. Exactly, and I think you need some sense of control when it's something like so devastating as a sibling loss that you have no control over it. Now, so, definitely. Talk about uh, decorating the location uh, of your sibling's body. Decorating the location or at the, at the actual services? Either way, which other either comes up for you. It's so creative. Okay, sure. Um, yeah, within the within the manuscript, uh, I, I wanted to give siblings some again some control and some involvement. And and in in the section that talks about services and ceremonies after a death occurs, some families practice wakes and funerals and rituals such as that. And I think it's that we include siblings if they want to be, and I think it has to be a choice in the actual preparation of the services and the planning of what's going to be occurring there. Um, and so, you know, there's choices of what, maybe you want to select something special that means something to your relationship with your sibling to place in the casket if there is a casket or with the sibling when they're going to be buried or interred somewhere. Um, so having having some involvement, I think, gives them you know, control and a different understanding and keep them in the role of, of you're important too in this family. How do you remember all the stuff we put in, you guys put in Scott's coffin? I was just visualizing that. We mm. had a pillow for his head, one, a little pillow that he had on his bed. We had, I don't know what, a football. I wrote him a letter. I mean, we had so much stuff. His Charlie Chaplin doll. We had Charlie McCarthy. We kept, <laughs> what, Mom? Charlie McCarthy. Charlie McCarthy, that's it. And we had so much stuff, we thought that the, the, the you know, casket was going to pop open during the service. <laughs> we, just, we just put everything under the sun in there with them. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, talk about decorating the grave if it's passed and the siblings now don't have a chance to do that. How about going back to the grave and what do you suggest for that? Well, again, I think it's a place that you can visit with with some intention and purpose. And, and maybe it's a place that you feel closer to your sibling where you can bring a letter to them and read it to them. That was probably one of the more therapeutic activities. I think sometimes we don't get a chance to say goodbye and say the things that we wanted to say to them before they died. And, and the gravesite is a great place to do that. You can leave the letter somewhere near the gravesite. Um, and again, if there's, if there's holidays or, you know, different events, uh, oftentimes there'll be decorations at the site. Um, siblings can make things and leave them there. So there's so many opportunities to still be, have a relationship in a way, um, even though that sibling is not a physical part of your life anymore. Mm-hmm. And and a sibling quilt, how did that reminded me of the uh, 9-11? People made a lot of quilts for that, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, they made a lot of life quilts. And I love the idea of using clothes, et cetera, to make quilts and, and just things to represent their lives. It's such a great way to to keep everything. And I like mm-hmm. the idea of the memory box where you, you said I think something like you, you put things aside that you wanted to keep. Oh, your did. sisters? I and did. the people well, could do that? Oh, sure, definitely. I think in the memory box, and it doesn't have to be any extravagant box that you go out and have to purchase some expensive um, treasure chest, but I just kept a, a shoe box, and, and it, in it I kept, um, you know, before she died, because she died a week before Christmas, and so she had Christmas presents purchased for me, and so the, the smaller items, I, yeah, I, I kept you know, a little necklace, heart-shaped necklace that she had given me, bottle of perfume, um, and things like that, I think, you know, the visuals and the things that we can hold in our hands, I think there's are good um, things that help us reflect on our relationships and, and remember. Erica, I love that she gave you the heart-shaped necklace <laughs> because she does live forever in your heart. She sure does. She definitely does. I love that idea. You know, that reminds me of something your mother said. I th- I believe this is what she said. You can, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but when... She called, uh, or she came to tell you about your sister dying. She said something about, um, do you no longer, I mean, oh, oh, no, that's not right. I was thinking, you weren't there, so you were with a neighbor. And I was thinking about the tough things, you know, that people say, how shocking it was for you. And I love that you put in the book about that experience and say to the people, kids who are working on the book, how was it for you when you heard? Where did you hear? You know, giving them that opportunity. Yeah, I think it's important, too, because, um, you know, a lot of times the way we're told, especially by adults, um, and if we're younger, I think things can kind of be ambiguous and, and unclear. Um, you know, death isn't an easy thing to talk about, and so sometimes words are used that aren't really conveying the true meaning of what's happened. You know, it, the, the terms aren't, she died, it might be, she's gone, or, so you, so you start questioning it, she's gone, what does that mean, she left, she's coming back? I mean, I think it's important to know and reassure adults that it's okay to use those terms of death and died and whatever the cause was of death. I think it's okay and important in the understanding of what's happened. Yeah. Could you talk a little bit about, I was telling Heidi about that I was really interested because I, you know, worked in nursing and I know when we have new little babies, we take their footprint and that kind of thing. But talk about leaving their mark. I thought that was pretty amazing if, if you had the chance to do that. Yeah, I think, um, and it's one of the things, too, because I, when I was working in the hospitals, that, you know, if there was um, some sort of period of time where we can anticipate a death happening, um, so there's a little bit of warning there, um, that we can actually make a print of 
siblings hand or foot. Uh, well, oftentimes there's, there's paint available in hospitals and um, you know, we, we sponge paint a hand or foot and then just tuck a piece of paper up to it and we have that mark. Um, that we can kind of hang on to. Well, I, I, I was thinking, yeah, you even said use a paper plate, so you you know got things around. But mm-hmm. Heidi, I was thinking that's got to be one of the most powerful experiences for people being around. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think it's a great ritual. I love it. I, that's got to really tear your heart out when you're the person there with them, doesn't it? It's got to be an incredibly intimate thing. It is, and it's, it's really quite an honor when you're you're there on the family's you know, relying on you and, and, and trusting you to be there with, with their dying child or their child who has passed. It's, and I say passed and I mean died because um, it is important to say that. Uh, it is it's very honoring to, to be there and be that support resource for the family. Wow. Uh, what about forgiveness? Uh, you have a nice section on forgiveness. Talk about that a little bit because, you know, I know that um, Craig Scott, whose sister Rachel was killed at Columbine, he was had had a fight with her the morning before and it took him a year to finally deal with that and talk to his dad about it sure sure yeah forgiveness there's so many levels um when a sibling dies that can cause guilt and i guess it's true with with any death you know when somebody dies suddenly there's always the the guilt of what what was my last interaction with that person and if it was not optimal and, and there was that kind of an argument or you know, words said that you didn't really mean. I think that that's hard to get over, and I think um, you know, it's important that you, you try and find a way to to forgive yourself. Um, Heidi, a lot of that. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, Heidi, you talk about survival guilt too, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, and I think it's normal for no matter how our siblings died. What I find when I work with siblings is that we all have survivor guilt in some way, and. You know, I know that when my brother died, I felt terribly guilty because there were three girls in the family and he was the only boy. And mm-hmm. I felt like, you're the only boy's dad. And, and would my parents be as sad if it if it had been me? You know, because there's some kind of irrational thinking that goes on. Sure. They would sure. be as sad. But, you know, it was the idea of, or, or why wasn't it me? Why was it him and why wasn't it me? He was my younger brother. So there was all these mm-hmm. things that went on. And I realized now that survivor guilt is a normal part of, of sibling grief. Don't you think so, Erica? I think it is. I think it's just another way of trying to make sense of something that just doesn't mm-hmm. make sense. You know, you're supposed to grow old with your siblings. They're supposed to be there for you for your transitions in life. And when something like this happens, whether it's expected or not, it's it's not fair, and you're trying to figure out, trying to find out why. Well, tell us a little bit about your pen pal program. I just tell Heidi, I think that's brilliant. Well, the pen pal program, um, and I'm, and I'm hesitant to, to get into too much of it only because there hasn't been a really great response for it, so I haven't really pursued it to a great degree. Um, was intention was to link up surviving siblings with each other, um, and obviously there'd be a screening process involved in that just for safety and security reasons, um, but hopefully by doing that, linking up somebody that can really hopefully understand the things that you're you're feeling and thinking at, at the time in the in, if that you are in your grief process. So I'm you know, hoping there'll be more interest expressed in that. Yeah, maybe you want to take it to uh, a social media level, you know, right. um, because uh, people are connecting on uh, texting <laughs> rather than a pen pal, a text pal, because I can't right. even communicate with my grandkids unless I text them. I get no answer. <laughs> <laughs> it would be a great idea, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like funny that. how technology 
progressed in, in you know when this book was first conceived in in 2003. Um, there's a lot more social media available now. I could probably extend that series actually. Well, when you when you get your revision by Baywood, you can tell them to put that as a social media section. It's it's yes, great. Really that, yeah, it's a wonderful book. And tell people how they can get a hold of it. it I, gee, I wish it was in every pediatric hospital, you know, that has pediatrics in the world. It's just... Yeah, but it, it gives the staff a lot of ritual that they can do. Yeah, it empowers them to empower the kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so hard to see people that don't have, you know, some options and some things that they can do even in the worst circumstances. Yeah, it is available through my publisher, which is Baywood Publishing Company, uh, and their website is baywood.com. That's great. Well, thank you so much. Now, where are you working now? Um, Currently, I'm actually a a trainer, so I went back for my education degree in elementary education, um, and I'm, I'm working in a corporate environment at this point. Uh, all right. Well, it's a wonderful book, and thank you so much uh, for writing it. And um, I think I'm going to try to drop it off at my local um, children's hospital in Palo Alto. Well, because thank you so much for having me. I think this is a great resource as well, having a place for, for grieving, grieving people to go. I really appreciate you, you having what you've done for the process of grief. Well, thank you. And, you know, I love the fact that you're honoring your sister and her name and keeping it alive and, and helping other people with your Thanks. experience. Thanks. That's, that's my hope is for other surviving siblings as well, is that they keep that legacy going and, and make a difference with what they've learned. Great. Well, thanks so much for being on the show today and have my a great pleasure. day. Thanks, Erica. Thank you. You too. It's just these ways of empowering siblings. Isn't it great? Well, she gives us a lot of ritual we can do, and I love that. So there's a lot of things we can do other outside of talking that is paying tribute to our siblings and memorializing them. Absolutely. Well, thanks for listening today, and uh, stay tuned again next week, and God bless. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.